Welcome to Two Pete in a Podcast, where we will talk about child health from birth right away through to adolescence, dealing with issues of illness, development, and everything else that is of importance. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Two Pete in a Podcast. I'm Michael Platten, and with me I have Simon Straw. Hi, everybody. Today, we are going to be talking about snoring. This is episode 16, and we're going to try to cover this all in one episode. What we're going to cover is an overview of snoring, why your child is snoring, the treatment of snoring, medical and non-medical and surgical, and then also the warning signs and when you need to be worried that your child's snoring is a problem. So to start off, why do we snore? or Where does snoring come from? Snoring is normally at the back or comes from the back of the sinuses and it's caused by irregular airflow or rough airflow when you are breathing especially at night when you're sleeping because when you fall asleep all your muscles in your body relax and the muscles in the uh, sinuses and back of the throat also relax and that reduces the airspace that's at the back of the sinuses and that causes that like that you get. <laughs> Do you agree? Yeah, that's why if you're sleeping on your back and you're fast asleep, just the weight of your tongue and your pharynx and the internal muscles, they just kind of sag backwards a little bit. So the airspace at the back is a little bit narrowed. And when air flows through a narrowed space, you start to get noises. And I think that the, the point Mike's making about it's right at the back of the throat, right in the back behind where the sinuses are is that there are many different sounds of funny noises children can make. They make that bubbly, snotty, what we call sturturous, that's quite a cool word, mm, stertor, which is the upper airway snotty sound. And that is different from the stridor, which is the <clears throat> croupy sound, which is different from the wheezing, which is lower down. This is that, we all know what snoring sounds like, don't we? Well, uh, can I tell you a funny story? This mm. morning, my son said, he didn't come and wake me up because he heard me snoring through the wall. Okay. So he didn't wake me up this morning. He, he waited until he uh, the, the snoring stopped and he came and fetched me. He didn't wake you because you were snoring. He yes, woke he, you because he knew you were asleep. He knew I was asleep. <laughs> Cute. Oh. Anyway. So, yes. Yeah, so, so in situations then when you have things that are, can obstruct the back of the throat. So we have tonsils at the back of our mouths. And we have tissue similar to that up behind our nose called adenoids. And those are glands. Or glands, yeah, they're like glands. And these, these swell up when they're infected. They swell up when we're uh, breathing in air that is, uh, we're allergic to or very dry and our system is trying really hard. And when those swell up, they, that's when very often you'll get snoring at night. You're also going to get snoring uh, in people who are overweight because, again, just the pressure of the, the weight and the around the back of the throat when they're lying on their back specifically. Uh, and also that any child who has any kind of abnormally shaped mouth or pharynx, and there are certain syndromes that do this, there are certain birth abnormalities that can do this, and these children snore a lot. So snoring is that noise at the back. It's caused by anything that's going to obstruct airflow. Uh, and most commonly what we see is it's from adenoids and tonsils, uh, and those are driven by repeated infections, or allergies. Just a point that if you look into the throat of a two to three year old, sometimes four year old child, the tonsils always look big. Mm. 
and they don't necessarily cause any problem. And they're big because they're actually participating in the immune responses to infections. So just because the tonsils are big doesn't mean that they are causing a problem. And it doesn't even mean, definitely doesn't mean they need to come out. But um, they, they, even if they are causing snoring, they don't necessarily need to be operated on. And I think with, with tonsils, we are really worried if they are red, angry, if they have pus on, if they're tender. Or if they're touching in the midline, yeah. So if they're yeah. that large. Kissing tonsils. Yes, they're, they're that large that you can actually see that they're obstructing it. Because if you've, if you've got adenoids, which are those other glands up behind the nose, if your tonsils are large, the almost invariably the adenoids are enlarged as well. Mm. Okay, Mike. So let's say we do this and we're looking in and we have a, we have a child who is snoring. Perhaps what you should do is just let's have a look and say, what are the things about that are going to concern you? When are you going to go, hang on a second? I mean, for me, snoring is never normal, number one. Okay? A little bit in, of… In a child. In a child. Yeah. A little bit of snotty mucus. That's fine. But real snoring in a child uh, when they're sleeping is not a good idea. Mm. Yeah. And then that's sleeping in any position, whether they're sleeping upright, down, side, doesn't matter. Because in really bad situations, what you will hear is you'll hear a child snoring and snoring and snoring and snoring, and then they stop snoring. Mm. And then it's silent. And about 10 or 15 seconds later, you hear this. And then they start again. Yeah, so that's sleep apnea. That's obstructive sleep apnea, where your child is, whatever's causing the obstruction, whether it's the adenoids or the tonsils or anything else, is so severe that your child actually stops breathing and then changes position so that he can he or she can breathe again and make that kind of gasping sound to get air in. And that's not a good sign. Mm, because what's actually happening is that the oxygen in the body is dropping down during that period. And the body has a backup mechanism of gasping to restart breathing. And it actually hits so low, the oxygen in the body hits so low that it has to initiate that. And that's what you're hearing when the child starts breathing again. Yeah. So if, if any of you or your husbands or wives have been for sleep um, therapy or sleep, that's what I want to mm. say, been for, what's the word, Michael? They go, for, uh, <laughs> go to a sleep clinic and, and you get monitored during your sleep and they put a saturation monitor on you and they say you had 26 episodes of obstructive sleep apnea through the night and your saturation levels dropped so badly, you better go and sleep with one of those masks on. You know, mm. the CPAP yeah, mask. CPAP, yeah. yeah, the CPAP mask. So this is what we're talking about. We're talking about sleep, uh, obstructive sleep apnea. Mm. But we don't go and do that on children in, in every child. And we certainly don't suggest they sleep with a mask on. Yeah. But what do we do? So oh, I, I think the important thing before we go into what we do is if the oxygen drops down, it puts more strain on the lungs and puts more strain on the heart. And yeah. that's the concern. Because <clears throat> yeah. the heart has to work harder to actually pump blood to the lungs to get oxygen. Yeah. So over time... Is going to cause issues. Yes. So it's the duration. So what do we do? In terms of non-medical treatment, obviously we need to make sure that the child's airway is open, so nicely positioned. Normally say sniff in the morning air, like if they're sleeping. But if they're sleeping on the side, that's where we want. Not, not back sleeping. Definitely not uh, stomach sleeping either. And we need to make sure that if they are having a snotty, runny nose episode, that the nose is as clean as possible so that there's no obstruction. Regarding the medical treatment, because the sinuses and the the glands and the the lining of the sinuses is all swollen and irritated, sometimes we would actually use an intranasal steroid. A steroid reduces the swelling over time. 
It's different to like the other decongestants like oxymetazidine that we've spoken about before. That reduces the swelling for about six hours and as soon as the medicine's gone, it swells up again. The steroids take about two to three days to work optimally, but you're looking more at a week. So normally it's a longer term that we use that for, and that we would treat in the nose. We invariably don't use a systemic steroid because we are treating the problem where it is. Yeah, so systemic steroids mean you can, those are steroids that you're going to drink. Mm. The steroids we put in the nose are very much low, lower doses, and very little is absorbed into the body, so you're not going to get those steroid side effects. But certainly I've had many, many children who have come to me expecting to have surgery to have their tonsils and adenoids removed, and yet you put them onto the drops like we're speaking about, and the whole thing disappears. Mm. Uh, and if you can just, even if you have to do that occasionally from time to time through the years, as the child grows and everything just grows and the throat gets bigger, et cetera, et cetera, uh, the need to worry it's about so surgery or stuff disappears because everything gets better. And, and if you're treating the root cause, so if you've identified that it's really allergies that are driving it because of the air you're breathing and you're giving something to treat the allergies like these drops, well, they're problem solved. Mm. Okay. So surgical management, we are looking at surgery if the medicine that we give does not work. And that is after a good trial, normally about a month. Yeah. Uh, if there are issues with poor feeding, delayed speech, or poor growth in normally children over three years of age, because that means that their breathing is actually affecting their body. And we don't do the surgery. No, definitely not. So we would refer, we would, we would do this medical approach. We would discuss all the options with you uh, and explain why we're going to refer you to an ear, nose, and throat surgeon who will then go and have a look. Because then the surgeon would have to go into the operating theater, put your child to sleep. And when we spoke about the adenoids, which are the glands that sit up behind the nose, you can't actually see those. We can't see them when we examine them because they're stuck right up the back there. You can only feel them with your finger or look up with a, using a mirror, in fact, to look up behind the nose through the mouth when the child's asleep. And that's what the surgeon would do and then go, oh, goodness, yes, these adenoids are huge. So those get scraped out. And if the tonsils are massive, massive and causing the problem, they will come out. But we almost never, almost never, ever refer a child to have tonsils out under three years of age. So I know that many people have grown up with this notion that tonsils are not necessary and just whip them out while I have them. But the point is that it is, it is not common, Michael, certainly not in, for me, that I refer children to their tonsils out. And mm. even if, I, if the medical treatment is not working and the child is severely obstructed and having really severe, then yes, we will, we will refer to have tonsils out. But generally speaking, we never refer children to have tonsils removed until they are older than three years of age. And that is generally for those children who genuinely are getting repeated bouts of severe infected tonsillitis that needs an antibiotic. And I'm stressing it as much as I can and my hands going <laughs> like this. But it really is really important. That, uh, and um, we'll repeat this in the tonsils yeah. podcast. But yeah. Okay. Just to wrap up, warning signs. Oh, sorry. I wanted to go back. The last thing about treatment is that if... The snoring is driven by allergies. We can definitely give a trial of an oral antihistamine first and see if it makes a difference. That can work in conjunction with the nasal steroids, and we have actually seen quite nice uh, responses to that. Okay, warning signs. This is snoring plus. Snoring plus sleep apnea, where they stop breathing, like we have spoken about. Snoring 
with persistent upper airway obstruction, that is, well, what that means is that we are treating it with the steroids or with the antihistamines and it's not getting better and it carries on being, or being a problem. And your child's a constant mouth breather, for example. Yes. Mm. So they're not responding to medication. And obviously, if you are concerned that there's something wrong with your child's breathing, then absolutely we will need to see them. I think that's about it. Yep, I'm happy. Mm. Two warning signs. So we covered an overview, why child snoring, uh, and also treatment, non-medical treatment, positioning, medicine, and then the reasons why we'd have surgery, and then when to be concerned. Yep. I think that's it. Good. Awesome. So if your children have allowed you to, thanks for listening. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you found this of value, please be sure to sign up to our email list at www.care4kids.co.za, and that's the numeral four, and subscribe in your favorite podcast app or follow us on Facebook. At Two Pete in a Podcast. At Two Pete in a Podcast. TWO, not the numerical two. This is our disclaimer. The information we have given you in this podcast is our own personal professional opinion. We're giving it to you for your own information. Please don't use it to treat yourself or to treat anybody else. Rather, go and see your own medical healthcare provider and follow their advice.